0: Welcome back to Art's About.
1: Show about art that's a work of art on its own, by itself.
0: How's it going, Mark? Are you out uh, of practice, John?
1: I must be. And I must have to point something out, you know, yes. that I'm out of practice because I haven't been here for a couple of weeks. And while I was away, I couldn't help noticing that you started playing ABBA songs, you know.
2: And <laughs> I- <laughs> that was uh, over my dead body, John. But anyway. I Mark back. had nothing to do with it.
0: You're here on <laughs> RPPFM this morning listening to me, Sally Bailey, and artist-in-residence and cultural sounding board, John Baird, who's returned from a couple of weeks' absence and the provocative and often obtuse. Mark Stewart and we're here with Arts About as I've said. Glad to have you back John.
1: Thank you you know where I've been. I've Tell been us. undertaking a Bromovich style performance Ooh. in a windowless room sitting or lying next to a bottle of my own urine.
0: Mm. Sounds like fun. That Did does you, sound mm. like fun. Did you well, video
1: it? No, 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 no,
0: it was no just nothing a performance quite as piece. vulgar as that. <laughs> Goodness me, well we're very glad to have you back. Mark and I have got lots to tell you about our recent trip to Ballarat and uh, I believe you've been reading up on our subject matter today, John.
1: Uh, yeah, reading up and thinking about, you know, I do more thinking about than reading up on.
0: Yeah, that's true, that's true, of course. Mm. So you're going to give us a little story today, I think, ladies and gentlemen. I want to
1: talk about an early relationship with of a, a, a mine with a Von Gerard painting. Is it Von Gerard, Von Gerard? Well,
2: um, Ruth uh, Poulin, the creator of the gallery, of the exhibition, says uh, Gerard. Gerard. There is a French connection somehow, but it is... Uh,
1: Gerhard. Yeah, and how do you properly pronounce Louis Bouvelot? Bouvelot is definitely Bouvelot.
0: Was he French or was uh, Swiss. he, a, oh, he Swiss, was Swiss? French. It's French a French Swiss. name, though, isn't it? Uh, Bouvelot. Yes. yes. Okay. Well, look, we have a special show in the series of arts about programming today, in which we begin exploring the regional gallery system of Australia. Our regional galleries are repositories for artifacts that expose history and demonstrate contemporary culture. Directors, curators, benefactors, and the political climate all add to the growing collections in each one. And so each gallery houses its own unique take on who we are and how we got there. Then we want to begin exploring them to find out what's in them, what are their current exhibitions, and to glean a little snapshot of the character of each one. And this is our first Arts About Goes regional program in the series. And it's on the Art Gallery of Ballarat, one of the largest regional galleries in Australia. On at the moment there is an exhibition called Eugène von Gerard, artist-traveller curated by Dr. Ruth Pullen that examines the work of the landscape artist who became the first director of the National Gallery of Victoria after arriving here an Austrian immigrant in 1852, the moment that the discovery of gold in Ballarat was announced to the world. This exhibition focuses on the Ballarat, Geelong, Western District area and looks at von Gerard's artistic practice as much as also the role that travel played in his work. Comparing pencil-drawn images and details from his sketchbook to the paintings they became, we learn about the artist as a man. Also, we see a country in the throes of being irrevocably transformed by European intervention. So, Mm. Mark and I went there this last week.
1: Yeah, uh, was he the director of the National Gallery of Victoria or was he the master of painting at the National Gallery Both.
2: School? He yeah, became, he started uh, he was the first director. Yes, was yes he? he was. He, be- yeah. he
0: began as the master painter and became the first director, I think. Do no, you know? he, was, he
2: was definitely the first yeah. director as well as the master of Because
1: um, he taught um, people like Tom Roberts yeah. and uh, McCubbin and
2: yeah. those That's people. Right. Who all rebelled re- 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 against him. Well, yes. not well,
1: really. That, I'll talk about that. Okay, okay. Well mm-hmm.
0: did. Okay, so Mark and I went up there and we got to meet the amazing curator, Dr. Ruth Pullen, as well as the in-house curator of the Art Gallery of Ballarat itself, Julie McLaren, who were both gracious enough to show us through the exhibition and talk with us about it afterwards for Arts About. Welcome to Arts About, Dr. Ruth Pullen. Thank you, Sally. It's been wonderful walking around and learning a little bit more about this man who really was an extraordinary traveller as much as he was an artist. Can you pray what this exhibition is really about?
3: Well, as the title suggests, Eugene von Gerard, Artist-Traveller, it's uh, structured around the idea that von Gerard's life was predicated on travel. From an early age, the age of 15, his travels began in Italy, continued in Germany, and then when he came to Australia in 1852, the travels took on a whole new dimension, and he travelled into really remote areas of Victoria. Uh, he travelled to South Australia, Tasmania, New South Wales, New Zealand. And on those travels, he carried tiny, pocket-sized sketchbooks. And it was in those sketchbooks that he recorded the journeys. And this, it's the story of the sketchbooks, I think, where we really understand the man. We really get to know him because we can see... His immediate responses to the places he was in. We can understand his working methods. These sketchbooks were the primary documents that he used back in his studio. That's what he relied on when he was painting his his wonderful oils on canvas in Melbourne. Uh, So they're full of information, but they're also like personal travel diaries. And he... Made his pencil drawings, all of which are and pen and ink drawings and pen and wash drawings, all of which are documented with date and uh, place, so we can retrace the journeys. But he also kept diary notes, and in those notes and in the the short jottings at the back in the back pages of his books, we learn a lot about him. You know what what he liked to do. You know who who he stayed with. When he stopped at a pub to have a drink, what did he have? It was ginger beer, usually. Um, We really get to know the man through the sketchbooks. And I think, really, well, there were 47 sketchbooks that he produced, Mm -hmm. and they are the most complete account of his life. And so I felt that we needed a show that focused on those.
0: The other thing I think that it really highlights is what life really was like for people arriving from the European colonies out to a virtually unmade land, certainly one that was actually was in the process of becoming a huge centre of commerce and so on because the, the rush was so incredible, but just little vignettes of what it was like inside a tent, for example, on the, on the fields, on the gold fields, an actual drawing of somebody's camp oven and the billy can and just these minute details that are also so enlightening really actually about about that life and well, that time. they day.
3: are and uh, in the tiny drawings that we think are the only surviving records of one of his lost sketchbooks, uh, one of the sketchbooks he used on the gold fields is no longer, no longer survives but we think we've located uh, 23 of the tiny drawings from that book but if you look at those little drawings, there's one of a windlass. Now, when you arrived on the gold fields with thousands and thousands of other prospective gold diggers, you couldn't buy that sort of equipment. The, mm-hmm. the demand was so intense. And in von Gerard's drawing, you see that he and his group have made a windlass out of a forked tree. They've just been quite ingenious in the way they've constructed this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, In the background of that drawing, Von Gerard has recorded the way the bark has been stripped from the tree. So already those environmental interests that he had are are evident. Mm -hmm. And so there's information there that's incredibly valuable for our current generation.
2: Well, this is why when we were talking earlier about the Tower Hill painting... Can you repeat the, the story about how this came about? It's yes. a wonderful story.
3: Well, clearly, Von Gerard arrived in Australia to paint the landscape. He went to the gold fields initially and hoped to sort of shore up his finances, but it was as a landscape painter that he made the journey. and And that's so evident when you look at the... Extent and depth of his career. He was hardly just a failed gold miner. No. I was so
0: mystified. Why would he go out looking for gold when he was a painter and, yes. an, and an academic, as clearly he was
3: too? But what he was, like so many of his generation, he was deeply inspired by the great German naturalist scientist Alexander von Humboldt. And Humboldt is not really a household name today but in his day he was a megastar. He was the rock star of science. Uh, When he published his famous five-volume work Cosmos, the first volume sold 80,000 copies in its first two months. Charles Darwin couldn't wait to get his hands on it. Darwin always says it was Humboldt that inspired his career as a scientist and Humboldt had written quite specifically encouraging artists to go to the new world and to paint the landscape with the precision of a scientist but with the eye of an artist mm. and that's what von gerard does and um so in his painting of tower hill which one of his first commissioned works which is somewhere uh, warnable or yes is that it's it's just north of Warrnambool. Yeah. and he was commissioned to paint it by uh, quite a quite an enlightened property owner james dawson he uh, was the, he owned the property Kangatong. But Dawson stood out from most other pastoralists in terms of his own environmental interests and his uh, the important foundation work he did on the Aboriginal people of that region. He published an important volume in 1880 of the customs and traditions mm. and languages of the Aboriginal people. And Dawson commissioned a painting of Tower Hill. Now, for Von Gerard who had studied volcanic geology in a region close to his, to Dusseldorf where he studied, uh, this was the subject he really understood. This was a crater lake. He understood the geology, but he felt it was imperative to record the vegetation as accurately as he could. Dawson had hoped that Tower Hill would be set aside as a public reserve. He also already understood how important that environment was. But by the late 19th century, Tower Hill had been devastated by the effects of mining and grazing and burning, and it was a wasteland. Even
0: and, after how many years? What year well, did you say Well, then?
3: 1890 was when... uh in
0: 40 years. Yes,
3: mm-hmm. and, and it only continued. It continued through the 20th century. But in the 1960s, there was a push to restore Tower Hill. And uh, one of the... Um, People behind that, Max Downs, came across von Gerard's painting. And von Gerard's painting became a template, a model for the revegetation of Tower Hill. Which is an extraordinary story really. It you is. Know, that
0: there were environmentalists banging that drum for such a long time ago and we're still struggling with that kind of information. Exactly. But, but how remarkable that a painting could be used yes. uh, as, a as a tool, as a yeah. tool in the process.
3: Of course we must put in the, the rejoinder. there is a, a bit of controversy today. At the time they felt 13 of the species that von Gerard portrayed were botanically identifiable. Uh, today there's a little Bit of dissension about that, but overall, it was an inspiration. And we get an
0: idea of what what it was like yes. in a way, what state it was in, how deeply it was vegetated, yes. um, and and with what kinds of things, really. I mean, that, that also brings up the idea of the power of those sketchbooks and how von Garard used them. You know, we know that he went out on plein air with his sketchbooks, or he was out on expeditions with his. Ex- Sketchbooks, drawing in pencil, and would take those drawings back. But his reference points and his uh, his memory must have been incredible to actually then reconstruct these intensely minute, detailed, massive images of, of landscape. I mean, that, that process as a, as an artist that must be fascinating to you, Mark. Well, no, he can make it up. You know, he's well, he's he making a lot of it. It's up also that when
2: you when you think that but this is sort of beside, beside the point but when the um, Gutenberg bore. You know, the printing press people were up in arms oh we'll lose our memories we won't have to remember books because before they used to remember whole books so I think our relationship to memory is a little bit different than what theirs was even 150 years ago Do you think they were better I think that, they had more memory because they didn't have, they didn't have so many reference. You know.
3: I think that was also the process of drawing itself And I have to differ with Mark, he didn't make it up. (laughs) There might have been there might have been sorry stiffened (laughs) when (laughs) he No, but I think that when Von Gerard was studying in Germany, the idea was to go out into the landscape and this was the very phrase they used, to if you did a, a study of a rock you studied it with such focus that you imprinted it on your memory. Mm. It was imprinted there so that mm. when you went back to the studio, you could reproduce that. So certainly the sketches in the sketchbooks are there as a reference point, but Von and, and Von Gerard was making extensive notes as well. When you look at the sketchbooks, you see a lot of little color notes, descriptive notes, uh, notes about the light and so on. Uh, but he's looking so intensely as a, an act of memorising mm. that yes. that subject. Yes.
0: So, we, to be fair, which in, in some ways is probably what
2: you were referring to. Well, no, to I was actually referring to that drawing that you said about the Ware family, that they used to, in the evening, they used to sit down and draw what yes. they'd seen. That's and right. And so I'm sure that aspect was, you know, he'd probably meld that well, into right. his drawing. Um,
3: yeah. Yes, one, one of the, there's one book that wasn't made on expedition. Virtually mm. all of them were made on his travels. But there's one book from Dusseldorf where he and his artist friends would sit together on winter evenings and they would draw compositions drawn from memory. But he always writes that these are a memory, Erinnerung, a memory mm. a, of a place. So it's a way of experimenting with compositions and and bringing up, getting a vocabulary for compositions. Mm.
2: Is it, sorry, is it possible to uh, buy are there any publications of his drawings? Are there any books only of his drawings? Or
3: well, really, the first one is the one that we've produced. I think <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that actually is a,
0: a very fascinating point because, of course, we now regard Bongerard as you know one of the most important landscape painters in the country. And yet, it really, it was probably your first exhibition in 2011 that reignited, to some extent, um, the public's interest in him as a painter. Because he went, he sort of went
3: under the radar for a very long time. He His did. work became unpopular, didn't it? It, he, it did. When Von Gerard left Australia in 1882, it was at a time when there was a new wave, a new push. Buvelot had arrived and he was, painting much more domesticated, more atmospheric, a freer, more relaxed style of painting. And then, of course, the Heidelberg School painters were getting underway, Tom Roberts, Arthur Streeton and, and so on. And Roberts was actually quite vocal in, uh, criticizing von Gerard and criticizing his teaching style. Uh, and I think that, but I think there are a number of things going on. The Heidelberg School really reached their zenith. Just at the point when Australian nationalism was really taking shape, and so throughout the 20th century, people look back at the Heidelberg School painters as somehow being the true Australian painters, some, some having captured the real Australia, and anybody who preceded them hadn't seen Australia clearly. No, They'd seen there's, through a European, a European eyes. Eye. Exactly. That sort like of idea. Over. Yes, yeah. but in fact, when you when you yeah. look objectively, you'll see the Heidelberg School painters great painters but they're painting often on the fringes of urban Melbourne Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they're not going into areas that Von Gerard painted but somehow in the popular imagination it's their vision of dry grass a single gum tree a big blue sky that's become the the kind of emblematic of Australia whereas we don't think of the fern gullies and so on that Von Gerard painted as being so emblematic so he did. He went out of fashion. Uh, in 1960, Robert Hughes described him as basically an academic hack.
0: Mm.
3: Yes, there's, there were some terrible things They were. Smith, Bernard yeah. Smith ignored him as well. Bernard Smith ignored him. 1980 was the, the sort of the beginning. Uh, there were a few dealers, there were a few historians and a few uh, curators starting to be interested. But there was that exhibition in 1980.
2: Which was where,
3: sorry? That was the National Gallery of Canberra, in oh. Canberra. But since then, so much more material has come to light, so many more paintings. And mm-hmm. in this exhibition, we have a number of paintings that have not been seen no, before. That's right. And certainly the sketchbooks and drawings haven't been on exhibition. Ever,
2: yeah. no? Oh, oh,
3: well, the, sketch the, libraries. Libraries. Yeah. the sketchbooks are held primarily in the State Library of New South Wales mm-hmm. and very rarely on display. Mm. So it's a really unique opportunity to see to them. To see them
0: both. And to see the progression from the sketchbook to the huge yes. painting and, and and that process becomes so clear, it's it's remarkable. Mm. Because, of course, he was, as we said, he arrived here in Ballarat, 1852, and he very quickly started exploring, really, didn't he? He and did. He, was, he went everywhere. He
3: did. All well, even story. when he was on the goldfields, he was going off for treks here and there, going out to the ball hills or up to Warren Heap, you know, really... We can
2: understand, ex- get away from those bloody dirty goldfields. Well, huh?
3: he does talk about getting away <laughs> from <laughs> the dirty water and <laughs> finding beautiful, you know, Chris- crystal, crystal clear, clear water. Uh, but, yes, on the expeditions, he travelled on his own, on horseback, on foot... Uh, but into some of the very remote areas. For instance, when he travelled to the top of Mount Kosciuszko or down... Is one of his,
0: probably his most famous paintings. Yes, it? that's yes. right.
3: Or down to Cape Otway, where he was with... Uh, he travelled with the scientist Georg von Neumeyer, also a Humboldtian scientist. So there...
2: No, and things. yes, he
3: was a geophysicist.
2: Geophysicist.
0: Yes. yes. What does
3: a geophysicist do? do he was know? doing a magnetic survey of Victoria, and he went on ten expeditions to do this magnetic survey, this which is was for
0: the hunted mining. Uh, well,
3: materials? not so anything? much. It was uh, to do with at the time taking magnetic readings of the Earth was very important. It was very much linked to um, being getting precise measurements measurements and time, time. timing time, time yes. for shipping and so on well it's a truly fascinating exhibition and i'm so glad
0: that i'd heard your recommendation in the first place to take along a magnifying glass because some of the drawings the, the little sketchbooks are tiny and so incredibly detailed but also so other paintings and being able to walk up to them and actually see the face of somebody in these minute and delicate Details is really spectacular. It is a terrific exhibition and really worth a visit here to Ballarat Gallery.
2: Is it going on to somewhere else? No, it's no. not.
3: Just here in Ballarat. Okay. So this so is your this is only a... chance to see.
2: <laughs> it's definitely worth seeing. It's one of the best shows I've seen in a very long time.
3: And of course,
0: there's a book that goes along with it, which has, I believe, received some extremely high praise from your favourite uh, art critic, Christa Christopher Allen. Allen. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think indeed it must be a wonderful book. I, I was just flicking through it as. Uh, as Dr. Ruth Pullen to the this copy. morning. We yeah. must indeed do that. Thank you so much for talking to us today on HeartStars. It's been a pleasure. pleasure. Thank you, Sally. Thank, Thank you, Thank you Mark. That was a, a wonderful interview that we did with Dr. Ruth Pullen.
1: And very interesting, as it turns out. Uh, it's interesting to me that she was talking about um, Von Gerard as the scientist and the connection with Humboldt because uh, that was certainly my connection with, uh, with Von Gerard initially and I'm I'm going to talk about that in a little while, but we've got another interview. We have, because
0: then, while we were talking with Dr. Ruth, Julie McLaren joined us to talk a little bit more about the gallery itself, and uh, what's coming up there. Mm-hmm. And, have and you had really lunch by that
2: point? Mark? No, and Mark's still no, wondering. No, my blood sugar level was going down a bit. They were, they were the um, no, the, the they were both Julie was also very interesting, a, a local woman from the district, mm-hmm. and um, she spoke about the gallery in a very, very interesting way. It is a very special gallery, there's no question, it has a lovely feel to it. Yes. and a good caffeine. Yes.
0: Okay, <coughs> so let's play that, shall we? Yeah. Julie, welcome to the show. Welcome to Thanks Ask for how. having me. Thank you very much for having us here today and organising for Doctor Ruth to come down and talk to us. It's been a pleasure. You are curator here at the Ballarat Gallery. It's really punching its weight in the, in the regional gallery scene by all accounts.
4: Yes, uh, I mean, it's a, an incredible privilege to work with such an incredible collection. Uh, and I mean, we have... So much to offer here in terms of our collection, uh, including some of our Von Gerard paintings, which mm-hmm. have ended up in, in the show that Ruth curated. Uh, and I mean, we went for a wander around upstairs. I think I was, I was chatting to you about the fact that the gallery is really, we're able to show a history of Australian art through our collection, um, upstairs and then downstairs. We have a series of, um, touring exhibitions, um, exhibitions that we've curated in-house by myself or by colleagues Uh, and then we sometimes invite curators to come in or curators approach us with projects which is how Ruth's came about
0: I understand that Ballarat is the first major regional gallery to have been built in the, in the state. Is that correct? Or probably in the country, actually. In the
4: country. So yes. we are, um, Australia's oldest regional gallery. So we were established in 1884. Um, we, the building itself wasn't constructed until 1890. Um, there was quite a bit of fundraising that went on. Uh, and then, uh, once in the process of the gallery being established, um, James Oddie, the founder of the gallery, travelled to Europe, purchased a number of um, European paintings uh, and then donated them to the gallery's collection. Uh, and at one stage, we were the largest regional gallery. I think Bendigo is now slightly larger than us, but we do have plans to continue expanding because our collection keeps expanding. Now,
0: when you say larger, is this, is this in floor space? Yes, so in terms of in floor space? space. I, I yeah. to tell you...
4: <laughs> I, I think that we'd probably be up there with one of the largest collections in terms of, um, collection items. This gallery was founded really 30 or 40 years after the gold rush. Mm-hmm. So uh,
0: when, when this part of the world was considered almost to be the centre of the world because there was so much gold coming out of here and so people were flocking, weren't they? So I, I wondered is, does the collection show that? Does, do we see a lot of, you know, really early Australian colonial
4: art here? Oh absolutely, I mean the earliest works that came into the collection came from Europe because it just wasn't fashionable at all to to look at art that was being created uh, in Australia. Everyone was looking to Europe so we have a, a whole room dedicated to uh, the earliest European works that came into the collection but then as the um, collection progresses you see a lot of uh, images depicting the, the wealth of the, the, the gold fields including von Gerard's iconic painting of the Ballarat goldfields in 1854 which he didn't actually create until uh, the 1880s. When well,
0: he was in London wasn't he? Or was he was in just
4: Dusseldor. yes. Mm, and James Oddy knew that von Gerard had been in Ballarat during the Gold Rush and had uh, drawn this image of Ballarat and, and commissioned him to, to create the painting.
0: Obviously, uh, since that time he have been accumulating work. Ideas have changed as developed what it was that was collected. Galleries are under a lot of pressure to kind of appeal to uh, a greater mass of people in order to sustain themselves. Do you feel that pressure? I mean, does that
4: guide you? Yes. Yes. So you have
2: to put on dress shows...
4: Um, well, we haven't put on any, any dress shows yet, uh, but we are going through a change of director right now. So our current mm-hmm. director, Gordon Morrison, is ret- in the process of retiring in the next month, and Louise Tegart, who's coming to us from the Museum and Gallery of Northern Territory, is going to be taking on the role, and she might take the gallery in an entirely different direction that Gordon's taken it. However, from what I've heard about her and what I've read, it sounds like she wanted this job because she was passionate about the collection itself. Um, Some parts of our collection that have really been built on during Gordon's time here have been botanical art, um, early depictions of Australian fauna fauna and flora. He's also had a great interest in social realist painting um, and modernist painting. And so there's been these little niche areas um, that he's developed, uh, whereas in the 1970s, Ron Radford was the director here, and he had a passion for prints. And at the time, the gallery didn't have an awful lot of money, and we could acquire some really incredible um, colonial through to modernism uh, Prints for the collection, uh, which means that we have an incredibly strong works on paper and print based collection, which unfortunately doesn't really get shown, um, very much here. We don't have a dedicated works on paper, um, display space. Yes, yes, um, because we can only display them for three months at a time and working on such a small staff, that's actually, (laughs) by the time you hang it, you feel like you have to change it over again. I think in the future it would be great to work towards, you know, displaying more of those gems in our collection that people don't get to see. I mean, we have a show coming up uh in June which is called Into Light and we've we're borrowing a collection of works from the Musée de la Chartreuse in Douai which is in the north of France and uh, it's a collection of 19th and early 20th century French paintings, a lot of landscapes, um, so from Romanticism through to Post-Impressionism, and we have a beautiful watercolour by Signac um, of fishing boats which has rarely been shown here it's one of my favorite works in the collection and we're able to then insert it into this show that we're bringing in from France so that's just sort of an example of how special the collection is
2: okay so my my statement before about the uh, dresses and the visitations Mm. this comes back to a little bit of a problem which I, I think about quite often is you know, what, are, what are the directions that galleries are going into? Because I've noticed in, in the National Gallery of Victoria, there have been many dress shows, and I've spoken to people, and they say it's really just to bring in more people, mm. more women, more children, uh, and because there's, there's not, they're not getting the state government uh, funding, and it's more about sponsorship, and so you need to bring, you need more people in, because that's how you get the sponsorship, is that True, or do you both of you
4: um, have I mean, any ideas about this? In in some cases, I mean, I suppose our, our focus in the last, certainly while I've been, I've been here for nine years now, and the focus uh, even before I arrived was very much on approaching shows from a bit more of an academic standpoint, mm. which then can alienate audiences in yeah. a way, um, but then we, we've done shows like Romance in the Skull, which was uh, mm. a show that we had on over the summer, and that's, that was a show where you can delve really deeply into, you know, art history and mm. um, and that sort of thing, but at the same time, on the surface, it was just a fun show that the Ballarat public loved because skulls are on absolutely everything yes. so it's sort of you need to look at your programming in terms of you know appealing to various well, audiences. I mean for
2: example your good friends in Banana did the um, or Bendigo sorry did mm. the Marilyn Monroe show. Yes. Was yeah. that a success? I don't know I, I didn't get to see it. Um, as
4: far as I'm aware yes and I mean at the moment they have um, the Marameco mm. um, design exhibition which looks beautiful and I, I definitely think that there's a place in galleries for those kinds of exhibitions mm. but I mean, we can't go and replicate exactly what Bendigo are doing just because it's been successful for them. We have to find our own our own niche in a way, and a lot of regional galleries are struggling with the fact that, and, you know, it's called the Bendigo effect. Um, council and state governments see what, what's, um, what Bendigo are doing and say, well, why can't everyone do, do the same? Okay, so. yes.
0: <laughs> to some extent, that's what you have done, presumably, by bringing this extraordinary mm-hmm. exhibition to life with a collaboration with Dr Ruth Paul. Mm. I think that the, the Skull exhibition, what did you call it? What was Romancing it the Skull. Romancing the Skull. That was one of you, that was your concept, wasn't mm-hmm. it? It was. But is it, your job, in a way, is actually to somehow or another find a slice through works that you know exist... And mm. create a concept, bring them together to to form a, an idea or a narrative.
4: Yes, absolutely. I mean, the the collection is so rich that I could draw on the collection for romancing the skull. Um, we had works that were already relevant to the the concept of the show, and then we built on it from there. It involves involved a lot of loans and that sort of thing. And perhaps yeah. Ruth might like to talk about um, von Gerard in, in that in terms of the yeah. development. Yes, okay. yes.
3: How do did it come about? Interestingly Gordon Morrison has been the director for 14 years and when he first took on the position he and I met to talk about a Von Gerard show because of all places Ballarat is the perfect place for an exhibition of Mm. Von Gerard's work because he had such a, a, a formative time here and he revisited Ballarat, he described Ballarat as dear old Ballarat. It was a very important place for him and the gallery has such a significant collection of von Gerard's works. Uh, At the time it was too early and we re-met and discussed the idea in um, about 2014, 2015 and that's when the show started to, to take form. I'd really wanted to do an exhibition that focused on the sketchbooks. And then we took the theme of the sketchbooks and focused it on Ballarat, Geelong and the Western District, which is is the geographic focus of the show.
4: I think um, one thing about the Von Gerard exhibition, it kind of ties back in with what I was saying earlier, where you can approach that exhibition on so many different levels. Um, For example, I'm from the Western District of Victoria and my family isn't hugely interested in art, but because there are images that are of the region that, that where my family's from, uh, my family settled there, uh, they're interested in coming and seeing the show. Mm-hmm. But you can delve mm-hmm. much deeper into Von Gerard's story mm-hmm. in that way. So we try and create shows that will appeal to, to a number of different, different audiences. Mm-hmm. And That's can I before.
3: just make the point earlier we were talking about how Ballarat might have addressed that issue of, uh, visitation numbers and so on. I think as a, an outside curator, I look at this institution having really forged a very clear identity in the gallery world in, in Victoria and in Australia. And I think Ballarat stands out for the type of exhibition they do, the calibre of the exhibitions that they do. They push the boundaries, they're very creative, uh, they have a very strong team that can produce publications and exhibitions of a level that's sort of really way beyond what they should be able to do with the staff and funding they have. I I think it's a, a brilliant gallery as well as having visual art exhibitions
0: you also have a lot of workshops in fact we walked through one just a little earlier which was a painting workshop a botanical painting workshop in one of the rooms but i know that you have linda jackson and jenny key coming to talk mm-hmm. later on so what's coming up next I we have ask. so
4: much going on, on a mm-hmm. french
2: show which i'd love yes. to invite you to yes
4: yeah. absolutely you will be yeah. uh, so we have a lot of workshops that happen here and they're for all ages so at the moment we have a botanical workshop that runs alongside Botanical Bounty. So one of the botanical artists from that show is coming in. They went and collected um plants this morning and now they're coming this afternoon to do some watercolours and drawings. Mm-hmm. Um we do have uh Linda Jackson and Jenny Key coming along this weekend.
2: They're talking about dresses
4: though, Well, yes, they're they're, <laughs> they're, they're from the that. fashion industry, so um we do we do kind of go into that territory. But we um displayed the portraits of Linda Jackson and Jenny Key during the tour of the Archibald, Archibald Prize wow. in 2015 and 16, and the works, two works have never actually been shown together, and they're actually owned by someone here in Ballarat. Are they so, really? Yeah, yeah. So we're um, going to display them for the next month, so even if you can't make it to the talk, which is sold out. Um, I know the paintings. Yes, so they'll be they'll be shown together for the next month. Um, and that's sort of an example of us trying to appeal again to a to a different audience. There's other things going on like there's a there's Plate Up Festival on in Ballarat this for the month of May and we're having a food event. Uh we've always got kids workshops going on. I think you've come in on potentially one of the busiest days that we've had recently. We've got our gallery guides doing training because we have got the guided tours of the permanent collection and of the Von Gerard the, exhibition. The, the, the feeling in
2: general is, is one of um, a lovely ambient. There's this lovely mm. feeling of intimacy as you enter in and then the smell of the it's cafe. Very beautiful building. Very
4: new know. Well what I love about days like today that you've seen is the level of noise because I For one don't feel like galleries should always be places of contemplation I think that there's a time and a place for that but I love the vibrancy of days like today and I think it's really Mm. important that people can approach the gallery. Well it's an
2: interesting point because I remember the National Gallery in the 60s and 70s who were obviously different ages of being a place of contemplation and how magnificent it was and Mm. how now with the, the, the renovations how it's become you more of a family affair, which is you know, it's got to go that way, I guess, in many ways. But I, I love it when you do find the silence, and which I found upstairs it was quite good. Very good.
0: <laughs> good. <laughs> well, thanks again so much for talking to us today. Uh, clearly, uh, we, Mark and I can't recommend more that people should come out and see this incredible exhibition, uh, Eugene von Gerard artist-traveler, that Dr. Ruth Pullen has put together, and. Uh, everything else that's here. I mean, there's you,
4: there's something for everybody. You'll find something
1: that you like in here. I know you have, Mark. I have, you? yes. Great. Yeah. Yes, yes. Wonderful. Thanks for talking to us today. Thank you. Thank you. And now it's time for John the Well, that was Sir? good. And uh, they sound like they're on the ball up there. And uh, I know that I'm... Um, Ballarat is one of those galleries that I'm very fond of. And I love the regional gallery thing because uh, towns come... For me, anyway, they become kind of defined by their galleries.
2: And, and you can park in front. Mm. <laughs> yeah. well, you that's can park right. in front, but
1: <laughs> I, you know, I love driving into Benalla because I, I like the Benalla gallery and, uh. Bendigo the, or Benalla? Well, Benalla, or, Bendigo, Ballarat, yes. I like them they oh, all. They all have very
0: interesting collections. Oh, they're oh, all well, different. They're all very different.
1: Um, but the, the Von Garard thing is interesting to me because, uh, when I was an art student, it was at a time when von Gerard was certainly uh, had been given his marching orders in the art world, and uh, he was considered um, an academic and uh, uh, too much of a, too, probably too much of a scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, he was uh, an interloper, a foreigner, uh, and the remarks. The remarks were often about how he uh, he didn't really understand the Australian bush. He hadn't sort of managed to become part of the Australian bush. And uh, when being compared to his students like um, Tom Robertson, McCubbin, um, the attitude was that they they were people who had embraced the Australian bush and uh, had come to understand it. When in fact the only difference was that. Um, Von Gerard looked at things from a distance and they got quite close up. They, they liked being close up to the bark and the trees and the dry grass and all that sort of stuff. There wasn't a lot of difference other than that. Mm, I disagree completely. I, I, I think there was but a bit... There are different styles of yeah. paintings. Well, yes. no, Von Gerard was uh, Humboldt's attitude about painting being a, uh, a part of the scientific process. Uh, is something that von Gerard took on.
2: Yes, but I don't think he, that was exactly what Humboldt was saying. He said go out into nature and paint and, and you look at it with the, you analyze it, mm-hmm. which is what every artist is doing. But he's, he's was just a, I think you're saying that the, the, his, um, successes were, were close up. He was more of a close up artist. He was actually doing the finer detail whereas they were doing the more atmospheric effects
1: they were so, standing in the bush he was generally standing on a hill having a view well, no
2: he was definitely if you have a look at his drawings john this is the difference we've seen them the drawings yeah. are actually quite close some of them mm. and they have they're very defined. well
1: they're not the ones that i'm familiar with no um so and i'm talking about the ones that i am familiar <laughs> with <laughs> yes. and when i was a student um there were two paintings in the uh, library building next door to the art school, a Vongarad and a Louis Bouvelot. and they had more or less been removed from the art gallery and stuck in the museum and had become, rather than works of art, they were historical objects and objects of curiosity, and uh, that's the way they were viewed. And uh, we had a, uh, an art teacher there, Dick Crichton, Dick's still around actually, and, uh, g'day Dick. And <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he told us that, uh, he had a, co- I remember him having a conversation, he was saying often when people are looking at abstract paintings, they seem to feel the need to get about 20 or 25 paces back and squint their eyes and try and find some subject in the painting. They're looking for a chair or a train or a portrait or something in the abstract work. And he said he recommended that we go down and have a look at the Bouvelo and the Don, uh, the von and do the same thing and squint at them and uh, just have a very good squinted look at the um, composition in the paintings because both of these painters were very very good at that particular part of making a painting The compositions are always very solid and always very and always working in the way that they should work mm. in a painting well balanced. Yeah, well, but also eye-leading, you know. Mm. They lead yep. your eye to the important part. Yes. and uh, Which was important for Von Gerard because a lot of what he did was not only scientific record, but he was also somewhat of an inventory painter. Mm. Uh, he would be commissioned by large property owners to go and paint their properties, and he would have the right number of outbuildings, the house would be right, the whole family would be standing on the veranda, the right number of cattle in the paddocks, you know. It mm-hmm. was an, a very, very
2: accurate description of someone's property and what they owned. Not in every case. The ones we saw there, he was on a veranda and you couldn't see any people or anything.
1: Well, perhaps but there was no-one home. No
2: one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, to, well, because, of course, paradise. they
0: had, with this particular um, uh, exhibition, uh, Ruth had... Focused on a particular area So it was Geelong, Ballarat right. And the Western District So it was a small selection of his work but Did they I, have
1: that view of Geelong painting up there?
2: Yes
0: Yes, yes they did yeah. they had a couple of marvellous ones There really were some Those beautiful bushfire ones as is well that The
1: view of Geelong painting Is the one with the guy without the shirt That Will reckons is Come back from Sydney after being fleeced
0: Yeah, by the Andrew Lloyd Webber production <laughs> group Or whatever <laughs> I know <laughs> Yeah, there's some, there are some terrific works in there. But what really is truly fascinating is the comparison and looking at the details. Like, for example, quite often there, there were years that transpired between the, when the painting, when the drawing was actually made and the painting was done. And, uh, the, the record that's kept and you can see in these, and they're tiny little Tiny little sketchbooks um, is of the middle ground and the and the background and von Gerard has right. used his memory to fill in all the foreground or add the details, which then somehow uh, in so, in some cases she's related to a diary that actually describes the meetings of, that, that that he had with the indigenous people in that he has added into those paintings. You know, too- I don't think there, there's oh, any doubt that he
1: in fact. Uh, got the Australian bush, I think that you know if you look at his paintings you can you can understand that he did in fact understand what was in front of him and he and he made a very accurate portrayal of it, but his reputation at the time was as a foreigner who didn't get it.
2: Yes, yes. Sorry, there's a number of things, <clears throat> elements in this. First is that he was German, and, and uh, the, I read the other day that the word scientist was, wasn't was invented until 19, 1844 when they mixed the word science and artist, and that's mm. how they came up with the word scientist. Which is Seriously? Yes, absolutely. So he was, I think, a part of that sort of that Germanic scientific movement of the 19th century, which was a huge time when you know they were uh, inventing a lot of chemistry, a lot of biology, and and it went down into painting as well. He was really purely and utterly a, a, a part of his time, and his painting reflects that. It's not very experimental in the sense of painting, but it's experimental in the way that he's actually defining what he's seeing. And so, the, you know, we, when you look at the movement, uh, for example, they, they accepted Bouvolo because he was part of the Barbizon School. He was, you know, painting, as they say, domestic subjects more on the outskirts, on the suburbs. Yeah. And and this is what the, a lot of these, you know, they were going down to Beaumaris to paint Rickards Point you Tom Robertson cetera. the Bubalo
1: painting that I was looking <laughs> at when I was a student that was in the library was in fact a painting of the North face of Mount Buffalo and a little track that uh, my brothers and friends and I used to regularly take up into North Buffalo to go trout fishing. Mm-hmm. And so I liked looking at that because it was familiar to me, and an image of uh, of the you know a past representation of what was familiar to me now. Well, haven't you been down to? But I have to I have to make a point, which is that sometimes it's dangerous to suggest that uh, an artist. Uh, is not so much of an artist because of their scientific concerns, because of their uh, their ability in recording things in a scientific way. I mean, you have to be careful, for instance, of Joseph Banks's Florilegium being described as merely an act of scientific record, when in fact uh, Joseph Solander, who made most of those images, is a very very fine good artist, fine a artist, very, yeah. very
2: good artist. Yes, but that's, I think, mostly artists who, who actually make those definitions just to try to protect themselves from the fact that these people can draw really well, no? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) But but it's true that there is that change. As you know, each each art movement lasts maybe five years at the most and the changes very dramatically and the next generation takes it up. And what I would like to know is in relation, what do the young people think of Von Gerard? and also the Field Exhibition, which we're going I to talk about this week. I think they
1: they're admired in that uh, spectacle of skill way. Yeah, You know, people love having a look at a Von Garab painting, getting up close, looking at the detail and uh, look, uh, understanding the the skill that is involved in making a picture like that. But whether
2: they can appreciate the aesthetic. There is an aesthetic beauty, but it's true that when you see all the paintings t- together, the, he seems to have painted mostly at the Golden Hour, which was, you know, the 20 minutes between uh, twilight and, and uh, oh yeah, dawn. Well, the know.
0: time when everything looks
2: beautiful. Yes, yeah, you that know? golden yes. hue. Mm. It's uh, quite amazing. But look, the Tower Hill painting for me is extraordinary. And I, I love that and I the, do, Try and do that with the Fred and uh, the,
1: the Tower Hill painting and the, uh, that, the painting that he made mm. afterward of... Um, Ballarat in the gold fields is That was a,
2: commissioned. He made that in Düsseldorf.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful painting with all those tents. The tents. And the, yeah, the beginning. Yeah. But there's no sort of dead dogs anywhere, or no people throwing. Well, look, up.
2: it's like when you see the <laughs> the the ab- Aboriginal pa- painting when he's meeting with the Aboriginal people, and you can see that he's got this um, a white guy on his knees looking at a possum coat and the two, and the two Aboriginal the, the um, husband and wife and child dressed in coats tall good looking people and it looks like a really good um, whether that was true or not I don't know you No, know? It's no it's, doubt
1: true Yeah mm.
0: Well makes us Eugene recall. von Gerard artist-traveller curated by Dr. Ruth Pullen is on at the Art Gallery of, of Ballarat until May the 27th It doesn't take long to get there and as well as the wonderful von Gerard exhibition on there now it, the gallery itself has a remarkable slice of Australian art from the 1800s through to the present. Don't forget to take your magnifying glasses. And if you're there, could you have a look? Because I think Mark and I may have left us <laughs> on, on the table in the cafe. Left your anyway, what? Um, magnifying glasses. Oh. If you've just tuned in, you've missed us about, but you can hear the repeat on Wednesdays or Listen to the podcast, which will be on the station website sometime soon. We'll be on again same time next week, 11am on Sunday. And you can find links to some of the things we've talked about today on our Facebook page and get to hear what's coming up in the future as well. And remember, everybody, we may not know everything about art.
1: Know a bit about Bongerat after today.
0: Yeah, we know a lot more about it. Thank
1: Thank you to Ballarat Regional Gallery.
2: Ruth Poulan, very good creator. Lovely.